really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Cheers, and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Lawrence, and I'm going to skip the rest of the usual intro because today I am very excited to get started with our latest guest for this bonus episode. Uh, Full disclosure, I feel like a bit of a fanboy right now, so I hope it doesn't come across too badly during this. But uh, of course, my guest, the person I'm talking about is recently the lead commentator for the recent Sevens World Cup, former captain of Wales, international sensation, current entrepreneur, media personality, and professional mentor, the incredible, the one and only, Philippa Tuddyett. Miss Tuddyett, am I all right to call you Philippa? Wow, what an introduction. You know what? I should record that. And every time I annoy my partner, I should just play that and be like, come on, give me a break. <laughs> you do know I'm an international sensation, right? Yeah, I don't think that would help my cause at all. Um, but that's a lovely introduction. And thank you very much for inviting me to, uh, to be on your podcast. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the Scrum of the Earth today. Um, obvious first question. How are you? Are you happy and healthy? Uh, yes, thank you. And uh, family, friends, all happy and healthy. So the world is a good place right now. And there's Rugby World Cup as well, which I'm involved in. Oh, yes. and, uh, and looking forward, obviously, to the sevens kicking off soon as well. So yeah, really good. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear it. So uh, as promised, I do want to start by asking about your own rugby career as a player. You know, you've excelled at 15s and possibly even surpassed that excellence at sevens. Can you give us an idea, you know, how that all got started? When did you start playing? Uh, It's my impression your parents never thought you'd end up being an international athlete. Is that right? (laughs) No, I think they thought I'd be doing sport of some description somewhere sometime. But uh, my, my parents, bless them, I remember from a very early age, you know, it was do everything, experience everything, but we don't care what you end up doing. I remember my mum saying, actually, even if you play tiddlywinks for Wales, she was like, I'll be proud of you. So they had that lovely fine balance in, in always giving me opportunities, supporting, uh, but there was never any pressure on, on anything. And um, it was actually only when I went to university that I started to play rugby. So, oh, wow. yeah, I picked it up quite late. Uh, sadly of a, of a 90s era here in the UK for girls it was you know hockey and netball which was great and I loved them uh, but I was always a rugby fan like everyone in Wales is had no idea yeah. what the rules were but I loved going out and shouting oi ref because that's what everyone does um, and yeah I loved, loved watching the game and then it was only when I went like I say to, to uni to, to Cardiff University and I went to the sports freshers fair and I had ambitions of joining the football team, actually, because oh. uh, I'd played a bit of a bit of football on and off. And um, I just wanted to change from netball and hockey. But um, the rugby team were giving away a free pint if you signed up. <laughs> I have heard that story so many times. So many people's yeah. fir- first experience with rugby was a sign that said free beer, <laughs> bring your sneakers. Yeah, there's literally, and it works. It still works. Uh, so no, I mean, I was always, you know, I, I, I did want to have a look at it anyway, but that certainly sealed the deal and um, went down for my first session. And uh, the captain comes up to me and she's like, have you played rugby before? So I said, yeah, of course, you know, back myself. <laughs> and she was like, oh, awesome. What position do you play? 
And I was like, oh, gosh. Um, I play out wide. And she was like, oh, you're a winger. I said, yes, I've heard of that. <laughs> I'm a winger. And that's literally, so I couldn't have stumbled into it any more haphazardly than I actually did. Uh, but yeah, gosh, I remember my first training session, just loving it. Just the fact you, you know, you kick, you pass, you run, you got to be fast, you got to be agile. I just felt like it, it almost, it tapped into every single um, physical, mental challenge that all these other sports had given me in my, in, in my, you know, time leading up to that, but now they all came into one sport mm. and I just, uh, I, I loved that. And I was hungry to, to learn and play and and that was that really, that started my, my journey. So that would have been back in 2002, Was that 15s or sevens? So that was 15s then. I had okay. no idea what sevens was, um, mm. never heard of it. Uh, but I was very lucky that a, a, a very good player at the time called Non Evans, who's a, a legend of, of Welsh women's rugby, um, she kind of took me under her wing when I eventually got into the Welsh setup. And she told me about the importance of touch rugby in the summer to get mm. your, your skills up and, uh, and also to look at sevens rugby for fitness. So um, I remember being in the car with her, right? We were going to club training and, uh, and she got a, a phone call and, and they, she put it on speakerphone and uh, was some guy on the phone, he said, um, like, Nani, are you free in December? I want you to, to play for my team in Dubai sevens. And she was like, yeah, I'll have a look at the diary. Yeah, I'm sure I can make just so cool and blase. I'm there as like a 19 year old going, oh my God, how cool <laughs> is that? Like she's just been invited to play in Dubai. And, uh, and the guy on the phone says, oh, but we could also use a bit of speed. Do you know any, any speedsters? And she's like, yeah, I know a few, no worries. I'll, I'll, I'll connect you up type of thing. Great. So I'm there thinking, God, I wonder who that is. Like, who's she going to invite? Literally she hangs up, turns to me and goes, fancy going? I was like, oh my God. And that was my very first sevens experience was with oh my Ron Evans in Dubai. What a way to start uh, wow. playing for Samurai, who are still going today, actually. Samurai samurai men and, and ladies, they have the two teams. And, uh, and even like, I remember warming up being like, what are the rules again? What do we do again? You know? <laughs> and she was like, look, get the ball, run forward, tackle anyone with the ball in front of you. I was like, cool. And that was that. <laughs> so again that's incredible that one as well wow yeah so was there there must have been like a moment when you were like you know what i'm i'm actually pretty good at this i think i can make something out of this was it was there an aha moment or did, did you just kind of keep falling into it um oh gosh i wouldn't say there was ever an aha but there was always uh you know seeing other people doing really good things, think, God, I want to do that. I want to learn mm. how to do that. And, and that certainly kept me coming back and being hungry for more every training session. I wanted to play more because I, I see this girl, she breaks the line all the time. How is she doing that? So that was more of a, a hunger to keep learning. And then I, I could tell myself that I was picking things up. So that may, that maybe kept me motivated, but I was certainly very lucky to have, you know, some really good coaches along the way that, on the odd occasion would just you know pull me aside and say that you know you you're doing good at this or you know there's a selection now for regional I think you should go for it and just little moments like that where you're like oh okay yeah I'm on you know I'm on the right track and uh and that's kind of how it just it just went but I never um people always ask me you know did you did you want to play for Wales was that your goal and in all honesty it really wasn't I just wanted to keep playing. I just wanted to keep playing. And I thought, just keep going, keep going. 
and and just see where you can get to. It was like you get to Cardiff, which was my region. And then from region, I got into Wales A. And then from Wales A, I, I ended up in the in the seniors. But yeah, I wasn't sort of looking too far ahead. I was enjoying it. I was just playing. You know? So there must be some incredible memories you have from those days too. Do you have uh, some things that stand out that you even now you think, oh yeah, that time I, you know. <laughs> oh gosh yeah I'm, I'm very blessed uh, so many so many so many highs and you know a couple of lows but taught me some really valuable lessons uh, formulated the person I am today uh, not only in a in a sporting capacity but in a working environment with my friends with my family um, and you know what some of the best moments actually were like like invitational rugby oh I, yeah I know and I I almost have to, I feel like I should be careful when I say that because yes, playing for my country was the most amazing thing in the world. And, you know, absolute highlight was going to the Commonwealth Games. Um, mm. That was just, you know, to be able to be part of like a multi-sport event. So it wasn't just a rugby tournament, it was just incredible. And the athletes village and all that sort of stuff was just brilliant. But I used to love with invitational sevens, you know, you get that phone call or that email, what are you doing next month? Can you come to Amsterdam, Barbados, Las Vegas, you know, and and you'd rock up and you might know a couple of the girls from their international teams, mm-hmm. but you didn't really know them. And then within sometimes only 48 hours, you're running out on a field with them and you've got to react. You've got to learn quickly. And gosh, when it clicked and then, you know, within a weekend tournament, you're playing some of the best rugby you've been involved in with a bunch of girls you didn't even know who they were a week ago. Wow. And I just loved that kind of sport, bringing everyone together. And there were just some moments there where, you know, you you throw what well, is basically a 50-50. You say it was pre-planned, but you knew, like, it was, you're just putting it up and hoping someone's there. But someone read you and they came on your shoulder and they were just there and they got that ball. Or you had a team try where everyone touched the ball and just reactional rugby. Those sort of moments are just made for me just that little bit more special when it was a bunch of, of people that, you know, had only just got together it was like the sheer love of the game and just mm. playing no no process no moves no you know we've got to do this we've got to do that we've got to do that it was purely reactional which yeah they were some of the best times so playing for wales do you have a memory of the first time you were out in the field when they played the national anthem oh gosh yes absolutely so uh, are, are you a stand there and belted out person or are you a stand there quietly and try to keep it together person um, I was more of a quiet one, but I always sandwiched myself in between the loud ones because I loved <laughs> hearing them, um, but I was a bit more reserved. Um, but yes, absolutely remember that. I remember, you know what? I almost remember more, and this is probably going to sound strange, but seeing the women as a, as a fan doing it for the first time. My first huh. ever international, when when I was in um, in university, actually, we went as like a social. And again, I didn't even know there was a Welsh team. I didn't know there was, back then it was the five nations, not the six nations, mm-hmm. but that big tournament, I had no idea. And we went along as a social to this massive stadium and you know there was programs and I saw these girls running out in all red. And then I distinctly remember when they sang the national, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing, you know? Wow. And that was definitely a, what can I do to try and get myself in a position to play good rugby like this, you know? Um, 
but yes, uh, the first time I, I lined up and, you know, you spot your parents in the crowd and stuff, it's, uh, it's very emotive. Yeah. Wow. So if I read correctly, you ended up hanging up your boots after the 2018 Commonwealth Games. Is that right? Yes. So what was that decision like for you? Was that a decision you had kind of already made? Were you going into, into that, that games thinking, okay, after this I'm done? Or was it something that happened after it was over? Well, um, it was actually a bit of a, a, a longer process in a way because I, I first retired, <laughs> retired <laughs> twice, uh, but I first retired after the 2014 uh, Rugby World Cup. Uh, 15s and my ambition was to just play as much sevens as I possibly could but for invitational teams okay because at that point with the um, Welsh Rugby Union they didn't have a a, I don't want to say a proper sevens team but it was very much you you played your rugby uh, 15s and then as that came to the end of the season you just flowed through to the sevens and it was a long old season and it was just they just did the best they could with the funding uh, that they had but I I wanted to I loved sevens like for me sevens was always my just can't describe this ridiculous passion and energy I have for it, you know and I wanted to see out my days just on the sevens field for as long as I could and I play for whoever whenever and after about sort of eight nine months I managed to carve out like literally an entire year of sevens sort of you know kicking off with Dubai then it was uh, Barbados then it was Las Vegas then you come into the European season so you got Amsterdam you got Ireland you got Kinsale I was literally hopping around at all wow. these tournaments oh it was incredible absolutely loved it and um, I did that for the best part of two years and then I got a phone call from um, Caroline Spanton, who was the head of uh, women's and girls rugby in Wales. And she said, look, we've just secured a place at the Commonwealth Games 2018 for the sevens team. Wow. So we are going to treat it properly. We are splitting the teams. We're having specialized sevens players. They're going to be funded. She was hoping for semi-professionalism. Unfortunately, it didn't quite happen, but she was going to do everything she could to support this properly. And she said, would you come back and just be a seven specialist? So that was in 2016. Um, so I went away, spoke to the family, because it was quite a big decision when I stepped away. And mm. you, know, you get time back, you get time with your family and your friends back. And all of a sudden you can go to a wedding. You can go to just a family barbecue in the summer or something, you know, Um but the opportunity to play at Commonwealth Games and, and to be honest, the opportunity to play sevens, at what I was hoping would be another step up again, you know? Sure. Um, so yeah, I took it and, um, and, that, and that then led me to the, to the Commonwealth Games and had another incredible, incredible two years of sevens. So I think that was kind of like, I'll just get there. You know, that was the marker. Um, let's get there. Let's try and get there because... I was 30 something um, when they invited me back. And you know, on a sevens, like it's not a young, um, not an old person's game, sorry. It's a, it's a yeah. young person's game. Um, so I thought, let's just see how long the body lasts. And if it can make it to there, then it's deserved a, a rest after that. So mm. that's my very long winded answer to yes, it was kind of planned. 
<laughs> but it, it didn't kind of work out as, as I thought, but it worked out in an even better way. So, so uh, I'm hoping that was a nice little transition, actually. So because it wasn't that long after that, that you were sort of fully locked in as a commentator. You know, yeah. was that something you already planned that was that you knew was coming? Or was there sort of a gap in your life when you were like, oh, geez, what's next? I closed this chapter. And, and you know, what's coming now? Um, I've been lucky enough to have the odd opportunity here and there. I did two games at the 2017 World Cup, um, and that was due to a connection, Maggie Alfonsi, who I know we're going to talk a bit later about some of the mentoring work I've, I've done, and I'd actually mm -hmm. done some with her, and she had retired before me. She retired 2014, and she had very much broken into the, the media, the broadcasting, was loving it, and we would often chat about it, and I sort of said, you know, maybe I'd like to explore that. We'll see. Mm. And her manager quite simply said, I need a, I need a Welsh voice. Do you know anyone? Um, so she said, yeah, I know this girl, Philippa, blah, blah, blah. So she exchanged my details. And that was um, my manager, who was still my manager today, which is lovely. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's seen me right, right through. So she, she helped me with those two. But then I was still very much playing and, you know, in the thick of it. And then it was really when I retired, we had a bit more of a conversation about, you know, what would we like to do? And, and I took a bit of time off because I just needed a bit of a break after the Commonwealth Games. Mm. Um, but one of the very first things I said to her, I was like, if you can get me on the world sevens, as I, I will be in your debt for the rest of my life. I said, to be honest with you, I'll go for free. I was like, don't try and sell me. Just <laughs> let me be there, you know? Um, so yeah, so she slowly got me a few little bits, local rugby, you know, here in Wales, we have um, what is now the United Rugby Championships where you have Car Cardiff, Scarlet's, Ospreys. Right. So, I covered a couple of those. Then I covered some of the women's autumns and then the women's six nations. And then finally she, she called me and she even said, she was like, you might want to sit down. I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, do you want to go to device? I was like, yes. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Oh, um, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. And then it's kind of well, just rolled from there. So similar to the earlier question, you know, was there with, with broadcasting, was there a moment when you sort of realized, oh, here's something else I'm actually really good at. I, I think I can make a go of this permanently. Um, gosh, no. And uh, thank you for your kind words. That's really lovely. Um, I knew I enjoyed it. And I've always mm. held to a strong belief that if, if something really lights you up, if you are really happy when you're doing it, then I'd be very surprised if you're doing a bad job. Because from mm. that will just come so much passion and pride to want to make sure you're as informed as you can be. You're asking for feedback because you want to do it again and again. And that's very much what I what I did. And I have some some um, some good friends that very much tell it how it is. So um, I'd often get <laughs> feedback from them, which was really helpful. Um but yeah, I, I just, you know, I'd watch other people and, and try and make notes from them and, and how different people do different styles. And actually, Dallin, was, uh, Dallin Staniford was one of the first um, commentators I worked with on, on the Sevens. Oh, okay. And again, he was incredibly supportive and gave me some good feedback. And seeing how all the commentators prep, because they all do differently in regards to their mm. notes, what information they, they take from different things. So I found all that really interesting. Um, and I guess for me, the, the confidence is, is when I get asked to do other things and different things. And will you cover this tournament? Will you, will you cover this game? Um, 
and that's I guess where I, I feel like I'm doing a good job if I can represent well and people want me then to to represent their their game their tournament and it is it is nice I'll get the odd comments uh, where people just say you explain it simply and I understand what you say mm. and I think that's the best compliment you can have because so many people can use big words um can can explain movements and patterns in in like gosh a thousand words when rugby sevens or fifteens it is a very basic sport yes there are the odd nuances and laws which gosh even i don't know a hundred percent of them all the time <laughs> um, but for people to engage in it and to watch it you you don't need to go that deeper dive there's there's the opportunity for the odds analysis show where people really do want to get mm. nitty gritty and how was this built and what were the phases that you know led to this but in the here and now for for the the commentary i always think that uh, co-cons and lead comms you should not be too aware of them they should just slowly flow with the game and keep mm. you involved and keep you intrigued and keep you engaged and then on the odd time where you might go at home oh, I wonder why that's when you, you need to come in and explain, but explain in a simple, in a, in a, a simple uh, format as you can. So that's, that's kind of my, my goal with it. And that's what I've enjoyed when I've listened to other people. So yeah, when, when you get the odd person, you know, Dorothy from down the rows walking a dog and just says, I like what you said about, I now know what that means. I'm like, great. That's good. <laughs> there you go. You're going to enjoy it more now. I have heard from people who do commentary, some, you know, sometimes it's the silence too that's more important than the thing you're saying um, because there's these elements, if it's a big dramatic moment and the crowd is reacting, you don't want to talk over a moment like that. You want the people to feel, you know, what it's like in the stadium and stuff like that. So, I, 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 you know, it's one of the things I think you're excellent at. The um, One of the first questions I asked Dallin the first time I talked to him was, what do you find easier, commentating 15s or 7s? Hmm. Um, oh, good question. I think that, um, purely because of time, if it's a bad game of 15s, you got a long slog ahead of you, you know, whereas <laughs> yeah. if it's a bad game of sevens, you just think, oh, just hold in there. You got, you know, 10 more minutes, it'll, it'll pass. Uh, so purely based on that, uh, you know, there are definitely more law variations, uh, in the game of mm. 15s that you need to be aware of, uh, to, to obviously explain, and I do love the fun of sevens, the creativity that you don't have to get too kind of in depth about it. You've just got to enjoy it and celebrate the moments and the creativity of it. So I guess 15s, if you, if you have to choose purely because of, like I say, the longevity of a, of a bad game is yeah. long. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. That's great. So for some reason I had watched 15s for a long, long time, and I was very resistant to sevens. I'm, I'm not even sure what it was exactly. I was just like, eh, that's not for me. Um, Dallin actually helped sort of turn me around on that. And also, I have a, a good friend who's actually a, a Hall of Famer for the USA Eagles. She played in the first two World Cups for us. And um, when she, she asked me about sevens at one point, and when I said, eh, I don't really care, she was like, what? I'll, I'll never forget the look on her face, like, what is the matter with you? And I was thinking, okay, I might be missing something here. 
this recent world, uh, the uh, recent World Cup in Cape Town, the finals there, that was the first time I sat down, you know, for a couple weekends in a row and just was glued to it the whole time. And you and Dallin did an incredible job. That, that must have been an amazing experience. We, you know, can you talk about some of the highlights of that recent uh, trip to Cape Town? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible experience. And and the crowd there, gosh, they love their rugby. And you know what? One of the highlights in that for me was um, seeing the South African women's team run out because mm. they're not a core team on the World Series and they have ambitions to be. And you can see that they're now putting more funding and support into their 15s and their 7s program. Um, but to see them run out and hear the crowd the crowd went mental for them. And you know, yeah. if you've got people in your home nation that are supporting you, that are aware of you, that's almost half the battle because they're mm. the people that need to be asking questions. Well, well, why don't they get this? Or why haven't they had that? Or, you know, next time they see a fixture, they're going to turn up. So that was, you know, it's not a small highlight, but you know, because South Africa, unfortunately, they, they didn't progress too far in this tournament because they are mm. so much in their infancy of their development. But yeah, just hearing the roar for them that was almost similar to when the Blitzbox ran out, I thought that was class. That's brilliant. This could be, you know, the starting now for, for the South African women. And and, uh, and hopefully in the next World Cup, um, they'll qualify and we'll see a much stronger and competitive team, both 15s and 7s. Well, as we just mentioned a, uh, a couple minutes ago, the, the, of course, the next HSBC series is going to start in, geez, just a couple of weeks, I guess now. Um, and I'm kind of off script here, but as, as a Welsh player, how do you feel about there being a GB team this time? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? So um, for, for people maybe that might not be aware, Wales women aren't a core team uh they've got many a times the very the very final of the, the qualification process but just been sort of nipped in the in the finals so unfortunately they've never made it uh neither have scotland very much been knocking on the door so it's always just been england which has been a, a shame because there's been some fantastic uh individual seven superstars like the likes of Jasmine Joyce that we only get to see once every four years when it's Olympics and it's mm. Team GB. Add in the fact that many of the women's unions are struggling to fund their 15s teams properly, let alone their sevens, it makes it hard for them to really compete to get to that final, the top table, if you will. So for the women's side of things, I think it's a, it's a good thing, sort of pooling the funding together to genuinely support the women well, do it properly and become Team GB. And it will be great to see these individuals like I hope Jasmine Joyce you've also got a girl called Rona Lloyd for Scotland with lightning quick as oh, well yes. uh, so bringing them together and they should be fiercely competitive the the issue I think has, has come more in the men's program where Wales have been a part of the core team for many years and and so Scotland been doing well and in, in, in recent years actually have, have managed to get some big scalps now you're pooling what would it be 50 60 odd players down to possibly a 25 squad which in one side you think well gosh it's going to be incredibly competitive now and we we should see team gb at the top you know of, of the tournaments because mm. england in both men and women uh, in the past few years have dropped quite significantly but then you you wonder how many young boys are going to miss out on their opportunity on that that world stage mm. 
because I know specifically with Wales, they use it very much as kind of a blooding in process. So you get a lot of like the regional 15s boys will play in the sevens and just get that, um, that life experience, just mm. the amazing experience playing sevens on the world stage. So that's going to be dropped a bit. So you can see pros and cons on both sides. Ultimately, we want a Northern Hemisphere team, whether that be Team GB, competing in finals. And we haven't seen England competing in finals for some time. So hopefully pool all the funding together, get the best possible players in like a super duper team and we'll see them at the finals. And, um, and that should be a good thing. I just hope there's, um, there's plenty of Welshies in there. So women's rugby is for a change on everybody's mind right now. The current world cup is dominating at least the voices that I tend to listen to, you know, just quickly, could you give us your assessment of the state of the women's game right now? Is this is this World Cup a watershed moment? Is this the year that we're all going to sort of look back on and say, yeah, that's when things changed. That's when it became next level. I think it's uh, looking at it purely from a Northern Hemisphere perspective. I would say that people will remember this year for both the World Cup and the Six Nations, because in this year we found Wales, went turned 12 ladies professional in January Mm. all of a sudden Italy started asking questions all of a sudden Scotland started asking questions rattle forward a couple of months you know Ireland didn't qualify for the World Cup all of a sudden everyone in Ireland is is asking questions so there was lots of arousal in the northern hemisphere during the Six Nations yeah yeah record record attendance record viewership I think too absolutely yeah fantastic um and then in the summer, you see Italy all of a sudden go professional. Uh, Scotland announced they're going professional after the World Cup. Okay, that's a bit of an interesting decision, but still professional contracts on the horizon. Ireland have yet to declare anything, but we know they're on the route as well. Then you go to the World Cup and you see Fijiana absolutely fronting up against England. Oh, yeah. Super exciting. And you think, gosh, you're completely amateur, but what if? You know, you've got the incredible, we know, we've, we've seen them on the world stage with the sevens. So what if a little bit of extra funding now, gosh, how good could their 15s team be? Frightening. Frightening. South Africa, possibly the most physical team I have seen at this World Cup. Some incredible individuals. Again, people now asking questions. Well, why aren't they getting through to the next round? Well, they only just got together pretty much this summer, you know. They're doing good things, but they're very much in their infancy. So I think Northern Hemisphere, Six Nations, ask lots of questions, great viewing figures, like you say. Go down to the Rugby World Cup. Again, we're having the opportunity to see teams. They're all asking questions. So honestly, I think by the next Rugby World Cup, I would be very surprised if there was any team playing that isn't at least full-time professional Maybe you might have one or two that are semi, but I think we've definitely, this will be the last World Cup of amateur female rugby players. So in that sense, it is a watershed moment. So I was talking to a different guest recently about this World Cup, and I I asked a a pretty common question, which is, you know, if the top teams just kind of blow everybody out, is that still good for the sport? And they had a, a really great answer, I thought, which was, what that will do is prove to everybody that this works, that investing money and building a fully professional program works. And if you want to, you know, expect to sort of 
step up to that level, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to follow because the, the teams we're expecting to win have followed that model. Um, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, it's it's kind of cruel to be kind, isn't it? The you know Wales have been on the end of of strong defeats to to England in the most recent Six Nations, and I'm there now in a, in a commentary position, and I kind of say it's hard and it's horrible to know that those girls, the Welsh girls on the field who are very much in the infancy of their professionalism, you know, it hasn't, you know, they're not bearing the fruits of, of that investment at that time. I'm like, they're doing the best that they can. And that must be so incredibly difficult to know that no matter how good you are, you are competing with people on another level who get mm. way more support than you, way more funding, rah, rah, rah. So you're never going to win that game. But equally, if they did win that game, well, why would the WIU invest in them then? Because right. they're doing great as they are. Keep it going. You need those big results for people to go, oh, well, well, why? And then you ask the questions and then you find out. So, yeah, it's, you know, I can I can see when people say, oh, it's, it's not good for the game, big, big score lines like that. And yes, I get it. And it's not nice for the players either, but ask why. Ask why. And then, you know, if we're seeing... Like, like if we went to the next World Cup and we saw score lines like that, that's an issue. That's a problem. Mm. But I dare say we won't. Um, so you need those to to force people to ask questions. Well, as you well know, the, you know, the, the problem that people are starting to talk about now a little more is, you know, quote, going professional, unquote. It's just not as cut and dry as that sounds. You can't just say, okay, snap your fingers. We're professional now. If you've been making your living outside of rugby until now, I mean, a lot of these women are incredibly successful because of what driven people they are in the first place. There's doctors and lawyers. You've, you've heard all this stuff before. So when they say it's professional and they say, here's 35 grand, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, yeah, you can, this, this can be your living if you, if your parents don't mind that you move back in. Um, you know, how do you think that we're going to navigate that landscape? Yeah, it's difficult because, like you say, when teams are now turning professional, you're not getting 18, 19-year-olds in on professional right. contracts and that's their life. You are asking ladies in their mid to late 20s who have built careers, incredibly difficult to, to build a career alongside an international rugby career, but they've done it and they've got themselves in positions where their job suits their lifestyle so the type of house they have the type of car they have they have mm -hmm. those financial responsibilities yet you get given this carrot that says you can now be a full-time professional but you've got to take a pay cut and i know there are a couple of players who have done it and i also think we'll see the most amount of retirements after this world cup oh interesting almost because of it which is it's kind of a weird thing because you think well why would they stop now they're professional yeah, but they're going from a £50,000 job to a £30,000 job. They can only do that for so long. So mm. I know there are quite a few players have said, right, I'm just going to do this to the World Cup. I've experienced professionalism. I've experienced the World Cup. But after that, I have to go back to my job, which is a sad position for them to be in. You don't want someone leaving a sport because it's amateur and it doesn't pay them and it costs them too much but then equally you don't want them leaving because they can go professional but that's going to cost them too much because the funding isn't there i do really hope that you know with the right marketing support we can see players that are able to have their own sort of personal sponsorship outside of, of the rugby team which i know 
in regards to national unions is a bit of a, a bit of a headache because they don't like companies coming on board and saying, I sponsor Jasmine Joyce, the Welsh rugby player, because all of a sudden people think they sponsor the WIU. No, they don't. They just sponsor or help that player. But I do know that it's a little bit easier at club level to have that private finance, if you will. Okay. So I'm hoping that we will see that embraced for players to be able to make up their income because I know you know even some of the GB girls when they're playing sevens they were going off in the evening and, and doing personal training just to try and make some more money because oh, the, wow. the funding was was literally just about enough for them to break even and that just adds that extra pressure and stress that professionalism is supposed to negate you're not supposed to be worrying about right, you're right. supposed to be just you know but actually like I say because these women have had the opportunity to build these careers um, but you just got to hope that with the viewing figures, with the demand, is going to come more big sponsors wanting to get in on the, the Six Nations, on the Rugby World Cup, more, um, you know, TV companies going to be fighting for the rights. And with that brings money back into the game. And, and hopefully that will get shared down through to the to the players. You mentioned quickly, um, you know, how the game is being marketed. And I'm just curious, um, again, I'm in the United States there's hardly any coverage of rugby basically at all anyway it seems like for years the argument has been no 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 it's just as good as the men's game it's the same game it's exactly the same uh, I don't I honestly wonder if that's the right way to go like I, I'm also a tennis fan I like the women's game better than I like the men's game and it's the same sport but there are differences in the way it's approached um is there room to be, you know, is there progress to be made by leaning into here's what's different about it? Here's what you can expect that's not the same as the game you're used to seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Embrace its uh, uniqueness because there is definitely, I mean, if you want to get nausea about it, you look at like the stat packs and the amount of kicking in a game, uh, the passing, the ruck speed, the collision dominance they all vary dr dramatically you think you were looking at two different sports if you were to compare them stat for stat mm. and there's no i you know i don't believe either is better i think they're both unique and they're both different i guess it takes a little bit of time for people to to watch a couple of games before maybe they they can have the opportunity to really appreciate that but i'd say the the simplest one i normally say to people because a lot of people get fed up with kicking they don't mm. like it you know kick the ball away why are you doing that so negative rah, rah, rah. now I don't mind kicking I was a fullback so I can kind of appreciate what players are trying to do and move but I mm -hmm. do get it when you're looking at, like you're watching a tennis match and it's going back and forth and back and forth and you know it it can be hard sometimes for people to engage in well with the women's game quite simply they don't kick as far and that's not a, a, a negative thing. That's just, that's it. Yeah. They don't kick, don't kick as far. So they've either got to kick a lot better to find space or they just don't kick as much and they keep the ball more in hand or they do the more yep. of the attacking regathering kick, which is far more exciting. So your box yeah. kick for an up and under, your chip, your grubber through, the sort of kicking that is is more attacking mindset. So a simple, you know, difference like that. Now, like I say, Kicking the men's game is great. And when it's when it's um, executed well, you think, gosh, they kicked there to pull that person, then they returned it back, then they ran there and ate away that space, then they brought that player up and then they kicked there. It's really hard for people to get into though in a in a in a short soundbite, you know? Mm. But I can appreciate it. But like I say, it, it's just a subtle difference in the women's game that the ball in play is, is higher. Yeah, yeah. 
it, it's funny. I, I wonder if it, do you think it's ironic that uh, when you're watching the men's game, almost every match you watch, they'll say, Oh, a little bit of handbags. They always use that phrase. And, it, yeah. and it's, and of course, no one ever throws a punch. It's just the contest of like who can who can grab the other person's jersey and then smile obnoxiously for the longest yeah. before they get broken up. And there's oh, some handbags. And the women don't do that. I find it really funny yeah. that they still call it handbags, but the women don't bother with that nonsense. No, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, we've had a couple a little off the ball. Um, yes, this is your shirt and this is my shirt. You know that kind of uh, <laughs> thing. Um, but no, it never boils over. And I mean, I can't, you know, I have to be careful because I was a winger. So I stayed well out of any of that nitty gritty at the, in the ground. So I can't, uh, I can't condone or condemn uh, their retaliation to it because I've never really experienced it. So I would always be the one that stood back and went, everyone needs a witness. I'll be the witness. I can see everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm well out of the way here. Your Honor, I saw everything. I saw everything. Everyone needs a witness. I was always that person when anything happened. <laughs> well, um, I, I'm, I'm again totally going off script here, but um, today I've seen a lot of sort of angry people on Twitter about uh, the All Blacks and their decision to schedule this game against Japan, basically directly competing with the Black Ferns quarterfinal. Um, is that something you want to touch on it all or should we just kind of oh it's just so frustrating and you really feel well we all kind of hoped that when they had that um investigation in regards to their management and the support of the players it was just in case anyone doesn't know uh, New Zealand came up to the northern hemisphere last autumn performed really really badly and um it wasn't just because they haven't had games due to covid there was a a lot of other things going on and consequently yep. they had an independent investigation which saw a complete change in the management um some official apologies to certain players that and that took a while been... too there, there was resistance yeah. to that it was no 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 nothing to see here nothing to see here yes. oh wait maybe maybe yeah and then uh, consequently we saw wayne smith come in incredible um with a couple of you know graham henry and just dan carter coming down to do kicking and all of a sudden it felt like gosh finally there's this unity it's not an us and them all of these in- incredible coaches are you know they're, they're just coaching new zealand whether that's men or women they are there to coach new zealand brilliant and we were all hoping that was a turning point um and there'd be no looking back and then all of a sudden people started asking questions about the scheduling that like you say and I just don't think they they handle things brilliantly. Um, I think they should have apologized first and foremost. I think it is um, disrespectful to the women's game. I think it's disrespectful to New Zealand rugby to have two mm. teams. And the fact that they could have seen this, well, they, they would have seen this coming so long ago. Um, I just, I, it does amaze me. It's kind of like, you know, when someone's almost self-sabotaging, like, why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> You put yourself in such a good position. The world was like, yes, New Zealand is back on with the top of rugby love. Um, so, yeah, it's just really frustrating. And I, and I feel for the players as well. You know, so many of um, the female players came forward saying how, you know, how, how difficult it's been for them to get acceptance socially, mm. right, to, just, to just play rugby. And how amazing it's been that, you know, they graced Eden Park and they never thought that that would happen in their lifetime. And and then to have this, it's just, I just really hope that it doesn't distract for, from them and, and their personal experience of, of what I, I feel is going to be a very successful World Cup for them. 
Yeah, the, the governing body down there seems to be very tone deaf. And the, the sort of quasi-apology seemed even more so in a way. It sort of seemed like, oh, gee, yeah, you're, I guess you're right. We hadn't thought of that. And it's like, well, you definitely should have thought of that. Like, it almost feels worse. It, it, I saw one thing today that was like, I would have preferred they said, yeah, we don't want the women's game to be successful. <laughs> like, we want to compete with them and show them up because it would be less, I don't know, there's just something awful about the, the their sort of just keeping blinders on the whole time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so frustrating, isn't it? And I mean, there's part of me that I kind of, if Wales aren't going to win the World Cup, I want a Northern Hemisphere to win. But after this, I'm like, oh, it would be good if New Zealand just won it, you know? Mm. Just, oh, that would be good for them. They're such a fun team. Oh, so fun. They're so exciting. It's so fun to watch. Aren't they brilliant? And so many fantastic characters in the team as well. Um, it's so brilliant. Everyone keeps asking me like, who is going to win? And I'm like, look, if you want to go down stats and experience and process driven, rah, 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 then it's England. England have the game plan. They have the history. They have the belief. But if it was a game of top Trump's wild cards, then New Zealand win every time because Mm. they're a bunch of individual, incredible rugby players that play with so much fun and ambition that it's not always going to go right. And they probably will be handling errors left, right, and center. But my gosh, I would take 10 handling errors if it meant they got 10 tries. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. The the Australia game, they were down big right off the beginning. And it was like, what's happening? Oh, oh, that's right. This is just the way this works with them sometimes. I am curious, you, you know, you're an expert. A lot of people have started to say, well, maybe England are this massive juggernaut, but did France just give us the blueprint for how you hang hang with them and maybe even possibly defeat them? Mm-hmm. Um, potentially, although, you know, interestingly, France at this World Cup have yet to really find their form. They were very mm. unlucky. Two of their key players, yeah. um, number eight, Romain Manager, had a, an early concussion in the tournament and then really super sad, Law Sanseuse. Yeah. She was due to retire after this tournament. It'll be interesting to see if she still does, but she suffered a really bad ACL. So she's right. going to be out for a significant time. Um, not that your whole game plan should pivot around two players. They certainly have the quality of individuals to be able to keep going. But yeah, they're just a bit, um, you know what? I actually describe them live on TV as clinky and clunky, which is a very technical explanation. <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, Dorothy down the road will understand what I mean. Yes. Though, you know? I really just, got that they're clinky and clunky. They're clinky and clunky. <laughs> they are. They just, it just doesn't flow and it should flow. Um, but they have given the blueprint and it's quite simply, as rugby is, being more physical. Mm. England, their their scrum, their line out, their maul, but it all comes from uh, an entire pack that are willing to carry, carry hard, never accept contact. They are always driving beyond the game line. And from that, you've just got options. You can pick what you want to do. Do you want to kick the line out? Do you want to run the backs? They have options. So if, and on the odd occasion, France have done it, they have fronted up and they have stopped them on the game line then you've still got to have the skill and execution to turn that ball over and to get yourselves back up the field. But Mm. if you can match them physically, um, that's it. That's where it starts. You do that and and you've got a chance. Um, Just out of curiosity, who are some of your other favorite players you've been watching? Of of course, Kendra Coxedge for the Black Ferns. She's also set to retire after this and Mm. she's just a a giant in the game. Um, Are there some names that, that have stood out to you that aren't necessarily household names yet? 
Yes. There is a prop for Fiji, mm. Rasalia. And um, when they played South Africa, she carried for 22 carries, and just put that in perspective for people, that's more something you'd see from a back row, so a, a lighter player. But she did 11 in the first half and then 11 in the second half. She played oh every gosh. minute of the game. She's over 100 kilos. I think she's like 115 kilos. She's a unit. But to even for the um, Fijiana to win the game, she chased the kickoff like she's playing sevens. And actually, it was her strong carry where she literally was swatting off South African players for fun <laughs> and then just let the ball go out the back. So it wasn't even selfish with it. And they scored the try to win the game. So wow. he, yeah. And it's for me as a back to be like, my favorite player was a prop. You know, she's something special. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. honestly, she was so exciting. So yeah, I've loved seeing her. Um, but then, you know what, actually, on the other team, um, it was a lady number eight called Healy. And she broke more, um, sorry, not broke, beat more defenders in round three than any other player. Now, bearing oh, wow. in mind, in round three, New Zealand put on a million points when they were playing. So Portia Woodman getting a gazillion tries. She beat Portia Woman, Woodman in defenders beaten. And that Fiji, Fiji South Africa was a really tight game. So, mm. you know, if you're beating defenders left, right and centre in a tight game, you are something special. It's just a shame that South Africa couldn't capitalise on it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, she must have loved that. I mean, to go home and, you know, show your family, oh, uh, defenders beaten, uh, Porsche Woodman is below me. So, <laughs> no, right. is there a better nickname than Wonder Woodman? Oh, I know. It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, Wonder Woodman. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think it's fair to skip all the other great things you do. You're a mentor, you're a speaker. And I saw on your website, you're an ambassador for the Women's Sports Trust. Can you tell us about that organization and you know what it means to, to, to be an ambassador? Yeah. Uh, so it's, first of all, a fantastic organization that is all about the uh, promotion, support and engagement of women's sport whatever it is and first and foremost i just love that i get an email once a week telling me about all the great things that are happening across the board in oh, wow. a variety of different sports like i say individual team and it's just a simple idea about getting like-minded people together to support one another which is so simple yet no one had done it so they the women's sports trust came along got all these like-minded people in one room and it's just spread so as part of that there are many different events that go out through the year where we celebrate the women who are really leading the way is it welsh is it international oh it's well it's uk so nationwide okay. yeah okay. so it was set up originally in england um but now there are athletes and representatives all around the uk so yeah it's it's a brilliant um it's a brilliant uh company if you will to be a part of yeah and what sort of form does your mentoring take? How, how does, you know, how does somebody end up being mentored by you? Yeah, yeah. So um, with the mentoring I guess I'm work, asking, where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> um, with, with the mentoring work, I started off with uh, the Youth Sports Trust. And that's actually where I got to know Maggie Alfonsi a bit better because she was one of the, the mentors there as well. And they ran, unfortunately, they don't run it anymore, but it was a fantastic scheme where it simply linked up local athletes with local schools 
and you would yeah. go into your school and deliver, uh, say, like a masterclass in your sport or an introduction oh, wow. in your sport. So I'd go into a lot of schools and, and give taster sessions of rugby to girls, which I loved. There were so many girls in like taster year, sessions. I like that. Taster <laughs> sessions. Come try. See what you like. Um, yeah. But, you know, in a year I could have been in the the position where I've given maybe 500 girls the chance to pick up a rugby ball all because of the wow. sports trust which was just amazing and uh, and it went all the way through like sometimes I'd I do say like if I was at the school for a day in the morning maybe I'd do some taster sessions with some girls but then um in the afternoon I might have their what they believe are their superstars in rugby you know boys oh, wow. aged between 14 and 17 and we would do really you know deeper dives on a specific techniques to suit their position we could do um mentoring in regards to your lifestyle management so we'd be giving mm. them an introduction on nutrition on training on planning which is huge for for youngsters who are trying to juggle an education as well as trying to be the best athlete they can be so it's really varied and, I, and I, I really enjoyed it sadly I don't get to do as much of it now as, as I used to but they um, supported me with lots of training as well to to be able to you know deliver an appropriate mentoring session and yeah it was it was fantastic I really enjoyed it I still keep in touch with a couple of the the schools and sort of drop in every now and again when I can. Oh, I was just yeah. going to say, do you ever see the fruits of this? Do people come back and say, hey, you came to my school that day and it really made a difference for me? You know what? I've had the odd thing on social media, which is lovely, where you know, mm. girls have said like, oh gosh, you came in when I was 12 and I didn't think I was going to like it and I didn't want to do it, but it was really fun. And now I'm in a, you know, in an under 18s, you know, Cardiff regional team. And it is brilliant. It's lovely. Um, you told us there was going to be free beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's funny. I have to change my uh, athlete story to suit the age of the uh, people that I'm speaking to. And sometimes the beer gets left out. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> they offered free cotton candy. That's yeah. the one. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've, we've only got a couple minutes left. I, I want to make sure I'm respectful of your time. Philippa, my new best friend, whether you like it or not, I'm immensely <laughs> grateful for your time here on the Scrum of the Earth. I appreciate your time and your insights more than I can say. So, But before I let you go, please, what do you have coming up? What's next for you? What can you plug in our time here? Oh, okay. So what's next for me is continuing with coverage of the Women's Rugby World Cup this weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to be covering the Wales-New Zealand game. Oh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, so yeah, I'm covering that. And then pretty much from next week, I'll be doubling. So I'll be covering the Women's World Cup through the night. And then in the day, I'm covering the Autumn Nation series. So it's the men's internationals will be kicking off. Oh, so wow. I heard up. you yeah. on somebody else's podcast. I can't, I'm blanking on what it was, um, but they, they were asking you about, you know, covering the World Cup, but not being there. And I think mm -hmm. At that point, you were still on the fence. Am I going to stay up or am I going to get up for this? What did, what did you end up deciding? How have you been handling that? Oh, gosh. Every time I've tried to make a plan, my body's just gone, no, I want to be awake now. And you're trying to make me sleep. And then when I'm trying to sleep, it wants to be awake. It's, it's a little bit all over the place. But the most important thing is when the games are on, the adrenaline is so high. I am on it. I'm with it. I'm just not much fun around that. I'm a little sleepy, a little bit useless. But uh, no, it's been, it's been, it's still been fantastic experience. 
Well, Philip Atadia, you are one of a kind. I hope to talk to you again. Uh, I never even got a chance to ask you about your building and construction. There's a whole other side of you that I didn't even get to touch on. Um, I mean, next time, how about that? Yeah, would uh, keep the um, listeners intrigued. What is that all about? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just think I teased something. What do you know? Look at me. I'm a broadcaster. <laughs> Brilliant. Philippa, thank you so much. I hope to talk to you very soon. And uh, I hope you are, you know, I hope it goes well, as well as it can for Wales this weekend. It's going to be a tough hill. No, thank you. I really appreciate being on this. It's been awesome fun. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you.